My husband and two children, James and Stella, mean everything to me. We are a super active family. We are always on the go. And since we are so active, it's really important that we figure out ways to stay safe while doing the things we love. But we're busy, and I like the set it and forget it type model where you can do smart things that keep you safe, but do not require a ton of thought, upkeep, and the like. So hello, enter Road ID. I have been wearing a Road ID for years, and it is a simple tool that you just wear on your wrist. The mission of Road ID is to help save lives and provide that peace of mind that you so desperately need through wearable identification. So Road IDs keep your personal contact and medical information readily available in the event of an emergency. And they make vans for kids and adults. So it's super awesome that they have them for the young ones. And the kids can get their favorite color, their favorite icon or sport themes like on the band. And I am rocking and loving the new colors that they have. I have a pale pink one with rose gold accent, which is super cool. And then there are bands, so like the rose gold and the pink, but then they make ones that can attach to your Garmin or other smartwatch very easily. So I believe in this product because it's easy and it provides me with the peace of mind that my entire family is a bit safer. You can learn more about Road ID through roadid.com. Get 20% off your purchase from roadid.com at checkout by entering the code SWIMBIKEMOM. That's SWIMBIKEMOM with no spaces or caps. Coupon valid through July 27th, 2017 at midnight. Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day. And it's what we do with those 24 hours that makes all of the difference in our health, our happiness, and our success. Today's guest is Marinda Carfrey. She is a hero in the triathlon world. She is the Ironman world champion in 2010, 13, and 14. And she also has 20... 70.3 wins, which is just incredible. In 2013, she ran the fastest marathon time on an Ironman course for a female and only two dudes ran it faster that day, and that was 2013. She's awesome, a great ambassador for our sport, always a kind word to say, and she's adorable, and now she is pregnant at 35 weeks, and so we do a lot of talking about pregnancy and exercise and all things baby. So hope you guys enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. I have a special guest today, Marinda Carfrey. Say hi. Hey, everyone. (laughs) Thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule and your soon-to-be mom status to spend some time with me on this amazing podcast. So thank you. Hey, yeah, no, my pleasure. Happy to do it. So you are 36 weeks along. Is that true? Not quite. I'm like 30, almost 35. Oh, okay. Four, four okay. and a half. So well, how are you feeling? Uh, I've been feeling pretty good. I mean, I, you know, I don't have any swelling. I'm still can ride my mountain bike. Um, I think running's probably going to take a back seat now. Um, <laughs> just getting a little bit uncomfortable. Is it? But 
but um, swimming still obviously good and I'm doing some strength classes. So yeah, I mean, all in all, I mean, I feel like I've, I've had a pretty good pregnancy so far. I just hope it continues that way through uh, delivery. Yes. That's the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Terrifying. Oh gosh. Well, for those of you who don't know, Marinda Carfrey is um, a world champion at the iron distance. I, overall rock star at the 70.3 distance. I think you've got, is it 20 wins or is it more than that? Uh, yeah, 20. 20. I don't know if we stop counting at 20. That sounds really arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, uh, uh, right, yeah, I've won 20, but, um, yeah. Yes. So she is a star in our triathlon world. So how did you get the nickname Rennie? I actually, um, got that nickname. I mean, I have like, 10 nicknames, but, um, that one stuck. I, I used to play basketball and Marinda is quite a long name to shout <laughs> when you're, um, trying to get somebody's attention very quickly. So, um, yeah, probably when I was about 13, um, or 12, um, just one of the players on the team started calling me Rin or Rinny uh-huh. and yeah, it's kind of stuck. It's stuck. So I, mine, obviously my name is Meredith, but that was kind of a mouthful too in basketball. And so, one game, someone heard me, heard my dad shout, come on, Bear, because he used to call me Bear when I was a kid. And so, unfortunately, <laughs> Bear stuck for, <laughs> for my my sporting, short sporting career. So, I had listened to your, your interview on Nicole DeBoom's podcast, and she talked to you a lot about basketball and how that kind of paved the way for you in triathlon. So, can you tell everyone a little bit about how that kind of gave you your start? Yeah, so I... um. I started playing basketball when I was about sort of seven. I followed my brothers into into the sport and um, absolutely loved it. I played, you know, basically for 11 years uh, all the way through schooling and high school and um, so basically 17, finishing high school, starting university and um, I was working out at the, at the gym at the um, at the stadium where the basketball courts were a couple of times a week trying to get stronger for the upcoming basketball season obviously I'm only 5'3 so um just trying to get fit and strong for the upcoming season and hopefully get some more minutes um at that point I was playing at the open league so with the you know 35 year old 40 year old women Mm -hmm. (laughs) more like 35 year old women but it was kind of a I guess the highest level without playing WNBL which is like WNBA in the U.S. Uh um and, uh, yeah, just hoping to get some more minutes, um, at the, in the upcoming season and met a couple of triathletes at that gym. Uh, I didn't really know much about the sport of triathlon and, or much about Ironman or how, you know, the distances or anything, but, um, I don't know, something just drew me to the sport. Um, I think it was a little bit of, um, intrigue, a little bit of, um, you know, sick, being sick and tired of being overlooked for my height in basketball and, um, you know, a lot of the time uh, when I was playing basketball, I was always the fittest on the on the court. I was always um, willing to do the extra sessions. I was never missed a you know a training session. I absolutely loved the work, and I was happy to do it. Um, and it was hard to look at these older, bigger women, you know, six foot women who were perhaps maybe a little bit lazier, um, not as coordinated but were put on all the teams because they're, you know, they're bigger and so they get closer to the basket and um, (laughs) more um, built for for basketball. So it was just um, frustrating that, you know, some politics sort of came into who got 
to play and who got in what team. And I saw this sport as a sport that, you know, you, you get out what you put in yeah. and, you know, if you're willing to do the work, then you, you'll reap the benefits. And so, um, completely, I, I probably for about a, a year, I, um, just trained out of the, that center. I'd just do some running with them and, and some gym work with them. And then one day the triathlon coach, uh, asked me if I'd ever thought of doing triathlon. I guess he saw me running one day and said, you know, you really have a nice natural run form. I think you can make a great triathlete. Have you ever thought about that? And it was the perfect opening for me to, I mean, I don't think I ever would have just taken it on myself, but because he was the coach of a couple of really good juniors in the country and and those juniors were training out of that center, he saw something in me and um, asked if, you know, I'd ever thought of it. And I was like, well, actually I'd I'd love to give it a try. So at that point, had had you done any real swimming or biking? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Isn't it <laughs> funny how that seems to be the case? With I mean, yeah. you know, maybe not in the sense of, of pro triathlete so much, but I feel like your story is really no different than anyone else that got dragged into this sport. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, a lot. Yeah, you're right. A lot of the professionals that I race against, you know, have come from a swimming background or a competitive running background. Generally, it's one or the other or both. Um, but I was none of those things. Um, you know, I, we, I mean, when we would, I would go and do run sessions with them, I'd run like 30 minutes and I thought that was a really long way. Right. Um, it is. And, <laughs> yeah. When you compared to like basketball training, you know, we would do like suicides or I think, I don't know what you guys call them. That's what we used to call them. But like back when I played basketball, but now I'm sure that's not politically correct. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like sprints, short, sharp, sharp sprints, never any long distance running. Um, and so, yeah, like I had no background in any of that, but I don't know. Like it was one of those gut feel, um, situations where I just was like, I really want to do this. And like, I, I think I could do well, even though, you said I'd never swum laps in a pool right uh, or anything like that um and I didn't own a bike so but how did basketball prepare you like your overall fitness I mean obviously in triathlon you're moving in this one direction the same plane and basketball is very 360 so did that help you a lot I think um it helped me like it's helped me be healthy and injury free throughout my career, like growing up playing basketball and, and developing, um, the coordination and, um, being like multi, a multi-planar athlete for so many years that I think has been gold when, you know, crossover to triathlon and it is that in that single plane all the time. Um, I think I was muscularly developed well, um, so that, you know, once I did step into the triathlon arena, um, yeah, I mean, I think that I, I, to this day, haven't had a real injury in the sport. I haven't had to take more than a day off of running, um, a forced day anyway. Right. So I, I firmly believe that that was all, you know, obviously there's some genetics that come into it and, um, have, um, uh, an efficient running style, but I think a lot of it goes back to those years of, of playing basketball and, um, developing as a multi-planar athlete. Um, but in terms of the, um, the endurance, I think, and the, I, I guess I had the strength, but like, and the fast switch, but it took time to certainly switch that over to, um, you know, it's straight, uh, endurance or slow twitch muscles. Right. 
So what was your first, do you remember your first swim, like your first swim workout? Uh, yeah, I remember, I don't know if I remember my very first one, but I remember going to the pool and I think we were doing around two or three K. Um, he, the coach basically threw me in cause I was a useless swimmer, <laughs> threw me in with the local, um, the swim team that was at that club. Mm-hmm. And so I jumped in, in, in the beginner's lane. I think I swam about three K and I remember having, I had a game to play that evening. So I think I swam like four till five or whatever. It may have played a game at six. And I remember trying to like play basketball and my arms were so fatigued. Like I could barely catch the ball. I couldn't really like pass it very far. It was amazing. I just remember like how fatigued my arms were because you just never use those swim muscles when you're playing right. basketball. So it was just kind of like, wow, like this is really, really hard. Um, did you ever feel like a newbie though? I mean, since you were so competitive in basketball when you were kind of thrown into triathlon, did you just kind of jump in as a competitor and, and think, okay, I'm going to do this. This is going to be my gig. And, or, or did you feel like a newbie? Well, I think, um, I mean, I certainly was learning all the ropes. Um, I, I guess I had probably, you know, six months of swimming and running training before I actually got a bike. And so I was learning the ropes, you know, and in that group, because it was kind of a junior group, it would practice transitions. And, and so I really did have good coaching, um, to prepare me for my first event. And in my first race, I raced like the open division. Um, it was just a local triathlon race, um, in, in, just north of Brisbane. And, uh, I, I know that I was like totally a beginner, but I think cause I was thrown into the pointy end of that field, which was not super competitive. Um, and I did really well that I, I kind of felt like from the day I started triathlon, I was training as a professional or an elite athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like there was <laughs> no indication that I could be any good or, or do anything, but now I feel like my whole career, I'd never really, I never really raced stage group. I never really, um, went through that whole, the whole, like, you just like sort of bypassed the whole newbie thing. <laughs> yeah. I think so. And I think because I was at that age where I could still be junior and, and you could be like, I guess that that's junior elite. So you're on the professional route. So you don't really have a professional card. I guess you do have a professional card and you can jump in the professional waves, but you know, I was 18, 19. And so, um, yeah, it was kind of still classed as a junior, which was kind of perfect for me, like a perfect stepping stone from being like an age grouper to, you know, being a full, fully blown uh, professional. So I have a lot of questions from, from the followers of Swim Bike Mom. And, um, I, I just posted today that we were talking cause I figured, um, if I posted any sooner, I would have hundreds of questions <laughs> from everyone. <laughs> so I just wanted to give them a short period of time, but if you're good, I'd like to ask you some of the the questions that everyone has for you. Absolutely. Okay. So this is actually my question and it comes from, um, kind of a, a brainchild of our friend, uh, Ellie. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. she said that you have uh, some pretty unique pre-race quirks and superstitions. Okay. <laughs> Do you? True or false? I don't think so. Um, no, I mean, I, I have a routine that I like to stick to, um, sort of, especially before an Ironman, it starts 48 hours before the event. And it's like, um, you know, similar meal plan and similar training plan. Um, but I guess like once I get close to a race, I have like, you know, like I'll do like a five minute run and I have to do like 
five 20 second run throughs, like just like little things like that. I guess they're kind of quirky. Um, but it has to be that exact number. Yeah. Okay. Right. I do five. That's just like the number that I arbitrarily picked. Like nobody told me to do that. <laughs> just like that feels like it's right. And I, uh, that's the routine that I, they follow. And, and I also have in my, um, in my backpack that I, um, take to every single race. Um, and that backpack has changed over the years because the backpacks do get worn out. But what hasn't changed is, and one of my pockets in that backpack, I have, um, like some lucky charms. And these are like completely random little things that people have given me over the years. Um, like, you know, those little, old little, um, troll dolls with the crazy hair. Yeah. Yeah. I have one of those. Um, like uh, what else? I have like a little leprechaun. I have like a little, like, um, a metal for like four leaf clover, just random, like little lucky, lucky charms. I have, um, um, some, uh, uh, uh what am I saying? Uh, air marshal gave me, cause so they have their coins that they give to, um, like if you're in, uh, the Navy or if you're in, you know, whatever service, the, the army or the, the air force, you have these coins, which I had knew nothing about. But, um, one day this gentleman came up to me on the beach and said, um, you inspired me to lose, you know, 60 pounds. And just, I saw you race Kona. Um, you inspired me to lose 60 pounds and now I'm doing Ironman. I'm racing tomorrow. And, um, it's because of you, my life has changed and I want you to take this, this coin. So like little things that are like meaningful, um, that people have, and you know, obviously other things from my family and close friends that people have given me that, that I've collected over the years. So I have a little lucky charms (laughs) pocket. You're such a, you're such a humble person. I mean, is it hard for you to hear someone come up to you and say, you changed my life? Is that hard to hear? It's weird. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not hard to hear. It's really, really lovely to hear those things. And, you know, people come up and and I I get emails from time to time and and it's from, you know, men, women, children, um, that for whatever reason have heard my story or seen me race and, and just something in them has clicked. And I think that really is what makes this sport to me really special because it seems like a selfish sport. It seems like, you know, I feel like I'm kind of selfish because, you know, I'm just out there trying to get the best out of myself and, and trying to, you know, win big races and and so forth. But when you see the impact on other people, I think that's what makes me keep wanting to go out there and race because it's pretty, yeah. I mean, it it never feels normal to hear that somebody you've changed somebody's life. I don't think it ever will, but it's really nice to hear that. And I think that that for me, makes it special and is the reason why I continue to race because yeah, I mean, if you can touch one person or change, you know, change one person's life and um, put it on a more positive, um, put it, you know, on a more positive track, then, then it's worth it. One of the great things about our sport is the fact that, you know, the mirror age groupers can go to races and see, see you guys hanging around. I mean, I saw you in, um, I want to say it was 2012 Ironman New Orleans 70.3. I think you raced. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I just turned around and you were just standing there and I was like, Oh, you know, I didn't say anything to you, but it's just so fun as an age grouper to run and just, you know, just see you guys milling about. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. I mean, I don't think yeah. there's any sports where, you know, we're all in the same boat. We can, um, you know, there are running events and marathons, I guess, where the professionals go off first and, and the amateurs go off a little bit later, but, you know, we can all sit down at the end of the day and, 
and talk about the crazy hill climb at mile 20 or um, how hot it was that day and um, we can share that. Um, so I think, and, and in general, I think the triathlon community is just such a great positive community. Sure. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a great community to be a part of. So someone wanted to know, obviously you came into the triathlon scene with some good speed behind you, but what is something that you routinely do to continue to maintain that speed? I mean, maybe when you're not 35 weeks pregnant, of course, but um, <laughs> what are some of the habits of a, of a fast athlete? I think um, for me, I mean, training with Siri Lindley, obviously she's really been the designer of my program. Um, but things that we do are, you know, running on the treadmill, we'll do like pickups on the treadmill and, you know, that might be, um, we don't do these every week, but, um, from time to time we'll do maybe 20 minutes worth of like 20 seconds on 20 seconds off, um, at well above, um, leave an Olympic distance race pace just to keep, you know, that, um, firing pattern going. And, uh, in the pool, we, uh, we do a lot of, you know, 50 meter sprints with, with lots of rest. So that might be 40 fifties, um, on a minute or 40 fifties on, um, three on a minute, one on 130. That's like a pretty common swim session or, you know, 60, 25s on 30 seconds where you sprint three, um, and do one easy. So a lot of sprinting in, in the pool, um, cause it doesn't um, damage you as much as sprinting so much <laughs> on the, on the run and the bike, but then yeah, pickups on the run. And then, yeah, I mean, on the bike, we, um, maybe once a week. And if we miss it once a week, it's every other week we'll do super short, um, high intensity efforts on the bike where it'll be like 30 seconds on two and a half minutes spin easy. And that on is max, max, max effort. And, um, I think, you know, doing things like that help maintain your speed. Um, but you've just got to be careful with those sessions because, if you do too many of those intervals or for too long, then take it, that session can really take it out of you. So you've got to balance it in the program appropriately. So someone wanted to know the story of how you and Tim met. So let's hear the romance, and then we'll talk about the pints of ice cream that you guys allegedly eat, and then we'll talk about the baby. <laughs> allegedly. Tim just walked in the room, and he just, like, had a big grin when you said that. <laughs> Hi, Tim. Um, <laughs> he's <Hi>, waiting. <laughs> Um, yeah, we met, so he claims that we met in Buffalo Springs in 2008. Um, but I don't remember it. So in my defense, um, that race in Buffalo Springs, anyone out there who's done it knows it's really hot, um, a really hot race. And I, I finished, I think. So wait, why is there debate on how you met? Where's Tim? Bring him over. Let's hear this debate. <laughs> He just left the room. Okay. But no, I was getting my first ever IV. So I was like exhausted after okay. the race and I was in the IV tent. Um, and I was like super scared. Like I, like I don't really, and there were like nurses, they weren't, pro I mean, not nurses, they were training nurses, like students that were giving these IVs. And so I was like really nervous about getting it done. And he was sitting beside me apparently, um, and getting an IV and I don't remember meeting him. <laughs> so the real time we met was actually the following year in 2009, um, in St. Croix, um, we met at the pre-race pasta party, um, where, you know, all the, everyone in, in, uh, St. Croix stays at, um, homestays and one of the homestays had a, had a dinner the night before or two nights before the race. And we chatted a little bit there and then, um, he won the next day 
and I finished second. And so he likes to say that he had to get to get my attention. He had to win a race uh, <laughs> because in Buffalo Springs, I think I won and he might have gotten second. Um, so anyway, we yeah basically met in um, St. Croix and it was kind of perfect timing because he was moving up to Boulder. He had, sorry, he had moved up to Boulder that January from Colorado Springs and I was coming back for the summer because I'd been in Australia <laughs> following the sun. Um, and so, yeah, he'd, he'd moved here and I was moving back and we were both single and, um, yeah, we Just, kind of went on our first real date in, I think, July of 09, June, well, June of 09. So everyone always wants to know how you guys do it. Not, not do it, but do <laughs> do the training together, like the schedule, the, you know, both pursuing major goals. Um, is it, does it ever become, I think maybe it's not as tricky right now, but maybe, you know, 12 weeks from now, but how do you guys balance the two triathlete household? I think, um, it, well, I think there are a lot of positives. I think the positives outweigh the negatives and having, being on the same schedule, um, having the same goals, especially now that we're, you know, well in the last sort of four, four, five years, we've both been chasing Kona. Um, it's been great because we can schedule our, um, our season similarly in that we can have our downtime at the same time and we can have our push phases at the same time. And yes, like that means that, you know, we both come home from training in the afternoon and we're exhausted and no one wants to cook dinner and, there's dirty dishes and, um, and laundry that needs to be done. And, um, obviously we're both being professional athletes are running our own small businesses. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of little things that need to be done, but I think because we're both on the same schedule, the same path, um, it's fantastic. We can share so many great things. I mean, you know, he's not working a eight to six job, um, and, you know, I only get to see him in the evening. I mean, we see each other all day long. We spend, get to spend so much time together. Um, we joke with our friends, the Bennetts, who are also professional triathletes, um, that triathlete, pro triathlete years when you're both pro triathletes are like dog years because you spend <laughs> so much time together. Like there's no going off to work all day. We're all like we're on the same schedule. We're kind of in and out all day doing our own thing, but we're both um, – around a lot so right. it's I think it's really nice like we really like each other so that's a good thing <laughs> we really like time with each other and, and um being able to kind of be spontaneous I mean that will probably go out the window a little bit in a few more weeks when <laughs> baby O'Donnell's here but um yeah I mean I think yeah there's so many positives mm-hmm. um the negatives are that you know when we get to Kona it's I can't really give him the, like the energy that I see a lot of other um, pro triathlete males getting from their wives or their, you know, supporting partner. Right. And so, um, and he can't do that for me either. Like it's not, it's not in his best interest to do that. And it's, it's not in mine because, you know, I want him the best for him. He wants the best for me. And that kind of gets tricky when it comes to like the big races where we're both racing, mm-hmm. just trying to balance that energy within the house and um, trying to make sure, he has his so – I think we've kind of figured out that he needs – he has his team and, and they have his back and they um, help him out with whatever he needs and I have my team. But what's been really nice about this year is that I've been able to be there for him. I've been able to go to his races and support him and, um, you know, put sun cream on his shoulders. <laughs> 
nuts if he needs it. You know, like we just don't have that other person that's just there, like with for whatever you need, you know, that. And that's just been really nice to be able to support him in that way, um, you know, for this year. And um, it'll be, that'll go back, (laughs) back to the, I don't even know what it's going to look like when we're both racing and we have a little, but um, yeah, that we have yet to see how, how that will play out. Well, I think it's good that you don't have any real expectations as far as that is concerned, because then you can just go with the flow and do what you need to do. Right. Instead of putting all this pressure on yourself as far as how to manage the baby and training and everything, it seems like yeah. you're doing a good job kind of taking in the moment and. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, being have I've had 15 years basically in the sport and focusing 100% on myself and um, trying and all about performance, trying to get the very best out of myself. That it's it's been kind of nice to take a step back and you know it wasn't easy at the start not to have a crazy strict routine, but it's been nice to step back and um, you know focus on creating this little human and <laughs> um, you know we're really excited um, for this next chapter in our lives and you know we'll we'll see what how it plays out and what comes. So what is the most unexpected thing so far about pregnancy? Um, I think just how big your tummy gets. Like, (laughs) I don't think you ever, like, I don't know if I ever really, I mean, you know, you're going to have a a big belly, but you never really think about that. And I'm always caught off guard when I like walk past a mirror and like see how much my belly is sticking out. And, And I think, my belly's probably sticking out more than maybe most people would at this time because I don't really have much of a torso. <laughs> so I, my belly is like, feel, I don't know, I feel like it's huge. And every time I see myself in the mirror, I'm like, I'm, I feel unrecognizable to myself. It's just, I mean, it's cool, right? but it's also really weird. It's um, definitely weird. It's yeah. definitely weird. One of the weirdest things I experienced during pregnancy was I was standing with one of my coworkers and we were just having a conversation. I must have been, I was probably about where you were. And my this was with my second, and she was very active. She was like a very active in utero baby. And she decided that I guess she wanted to completely change body positions while I was <laughs> standing there talking to this guy. And he did not have kids. And so he already thought that I was a freak from another planet. Yeah. But when she rolled over, like it was elbows and knees and my stomach jolted so violently. He was like, Oh my God, are you having the baby right now? <laughs> and that to me was the craziest thing is like this alien yeah. thing moving. It's like, Whoa, it's just the yeah, weirdest totally. feeling. But it's also, I don't know. I love that part about it. And I yeah. love that um, Tim can feel the baby. Um, you know, obviously that doesn't happen until like after 20 weeks. But, yeah, it's really cool for him to be able to see it and feel it. And um, and I like, you know, feel, feeling the baby move around in there too. Yeah. So have you seen, like, elbows and all that? Yeah, well, I don't really know what I'm seeing. <laughs> I'm like, I think that that's where its butt is and this seems to be, like, maybe its feet or its elbow poking out, but it's not, like, super clear. Yeah. That's so cool. So um, let's see. What other questions? Um, so what – um, let me see. Let's just talk about, since we're on the pregnancy topic, what are some of the exercises and training that you're continuing to do? I've seen you're on Instagram and, and Twitter doing all sorts of, you know, activities and mountain biking. So what have you continued to do? And what you, you mentioned that running was getting a little, little hairy, but what have you been able to continue to do? 
so I basically throughout after the first, I guess, month or so, maybe two months, I kind of let go of trying to like be on any real schedule and Mm -hmm. decided that I was just going to wake up and do what I felt like doing that day. And initially that was like probably running three or four times a week and biking maybe three times a week and swimming three to four times a week, um, and doing a couple of strength classes a week. Um, but I mean, and there are a lot of triathletes really training quite, I mean, Gwen is phenomenal. I've, I mean, I don't know her super well personally. I know her a little bit, but, um, just from reading a few articles, she's running crazy long distances and, and still at pace. And no, I've really slowed down. Like my runs are, I didn't even, I didn't even take a watch, <laughs> I just feel like it's amazing how um, slow you can go and it's still called running. Um, that's me. That's my life. <laughs> that's what I, we, I still call it running, but it's now you know what it feels like to be me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm sure you are moving much faster than, than me. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. But, um, no, like I, I'm just like out there moving and enjoying and, um, you know, sometimes, you know, I get like a weird stitch and so then I just walk. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. And, um, yeah, obviously swimming is something that I'll probably go more to, um, as you know, this pregnancy moves on the next couple of weeks, but I'm still able to ma- mountain bike. And I kind of made the decision at around 20 weeks, I didn't want to ride on the road anymore mm-hmm. just because, you know, it's dangerous out there. And you know, I have more than just myself to right. think about. So, um, I just, you know, I'm lucky in that. I don't live far from dirt roads where I can sort of ride around the Boulder Reservoir and there's like back roads that, you know, really don't have any cars. So, and not to mention the mountain bike's quite upright. So mm-hmm. my tummy <laughs> doesn't get in the way. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, I still can ride the mountain bike and that feels great. Um, and then I'm doing two classes a week um, at a place in Boulder called Bloom, um, Bloom Fit for pregnancy. It's uh, basically, um, uh, pregnancy strength class. So it's, it's, it sounds like it would be easy, but it's actually quite hard. Um, and so, yeah, that's been really good because you obviously other pregnant women are there doing this, um, this strength class. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you and then did a really good job though, even like during the, during your training, you would always take a really good break during the off season, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. So and do I'm, you think that helped you kind of be able to handle this maybe psychologically a little bit better than maybe some other people. <laughs> I think I'm just, I could, I could be really lazy if I wanted to. <laughs> I don't, I think because I grew up, I, I didn't grow up, you know, on a crazy swim schedule when I was young or on a crazy, um, running schedule. Like I was, I played basketball cause I love to play basketball and I'm not, that's not to say that these other kids didn't love to swim or run, but I remember saying to my mom when I was maybe 10 or 12 that I don't understand people that run because it's so boring. Like mm-hmm. what's in running if you're not running after a ball or if it's not like in a game situation. Um, and so, you know, I, I played basketball and then I would take the off season off and do nothing. Like I, every day exercise wasn't in my life until I started triathlon. So I kind of, I know what that looks like. And that's not to say now I, I, fully agree that, you know, you should be trying to do something every day. And I think you feel better for doing something every day, but I certainly can, you know, let a day go by and not feel guilty that I haven't trained. Right. And, you know, I look around and I know a lot of 
endurance athletes that, you know, retire from the sport and they still, they can't stop. They're still training crazy hard and um, they have to like kind of hurt themselves every day. And uh, that's not, um, that's not me. So yeah, I think um, that has allowed me to kind of, you know, take the stance that right now I'm not a professional athlete right now I'm a mum or a soon to be mum. And the most important thing is that this baby is getting everything it needs. And, um, I get to go back and train when, when the baby's here eventually, right. <laughs> um, once my body is, um, back in one piece. So, um, and I'm okay with that. I feel like it, you know, it will give me a good mental break and, you know, I'm, I am hungry to go back and race, but I'm still okay for now. Just right hanging out and, and supporting Tim and growing this baby. So speaking of hungry, let's talk about you and Tim's ice cream habit. Is, is it really as bad as they say? <laughs> bad or good? I, I mean, <laughs> I'm with like, you. Good. Ice cream's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we, we definitely have probably at least six pints of ice cream at the fr- in the fridge at any time. Um, <laughs> and right now I'm not really eating much because I don't crave it. I don't feel like it and I don't really need it because uh, I'm not training 35 hours a week. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we enjoy ice cream, and um, I think when you get into those really heavy training weeks, you need extra fuel. And so, you know, rather than wake up in the middle of the night and have to have a snack, we'll have some ice cream um, after dinner. And, um, you know, that, that keeps that little bit, like that pound or two on our bodies um, during, you know, that big that big push um, before Kona that you don't want to be super light because, you know, I've found that, you know, as soon as you start to, you know, push the boundaries on weight loss or the lower limit of, you know, your healthy weight, um, you know, I certainly start to feel more tired and I can't, you know, train as hard or get as much out of my training. And then, you know, sometimes you end up getting sick. And so, yeah, we just try to, um, you know, we're not, we're not eating a pint a night. <laughs> it's not like that. Like we will have, you know, like a, maybe a quarter, uh, maybe a third of a pint or maybe a half a pint if we've had a really big day. I mean, yes, I've eaten a pint of ice cream <laughs> in one sitting, but we're not doing that all the time. It's more like I feel hungry and I feel like ice cream tonight. So I'm going to have that. Um, and that goes the same for wine as well. Like obviously there's a lot of calories in red wine too, but <laughs> you know, we, for the main part of the season, we, we, you know, enjoy a glass or two of wine at night. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's either wine or ice cream. Generally we don't do both. They don't go well together anyway. Right. So yeah, I mean, we, we try to take a relaxed approach on our nutrition and, and that's not to say that, you know, we're not eating fast food. We're just, you know, we eat very well. We, you know, all you know good proteins and we have our salads and vegetables but you know then we're going to have an ice cream or we're going to have <laughs> some red wine because i trained seven hours that day right. my body you know it's not going to hurt me i think and it's going to make happen. Happen, so, <laughs> so what is that? let's talk about some you mentioned um about focus um somewhere and then you just kept talking about ice cream and I was just like ice cream ice cream ice cream and then I had a question and I thought ice cream but um what is it that you think about during like let's say the the run portion of an Ironman like what what is going on in your head do you just repeat mantras or do you look at the what what, what is going on in Miranda Carfrey's head um in a race situation I feel like there's when you're really like focused on 
on the moment in the moment, time passes really fast. And when I'm, you know, in that moment, I think my mind's so full and these are the things I'm thinking about. I don't really have a mantra, but I'm thinking about um, relaxing my shoulders. I'm thinking about my breathing and trying to have a relaxed breath. I'm thinking about um, running as hard as I can without um, taxing myself too much. So basically running as fast as I can, knowing that I have a marathon to run. Um, I'm thinking about fueling, whether I've had enough fuel, whether I need more, um, how well I'm hydrated, um, how I'm feeling, you know, you're constantly checking in with your mental state. Um, and also where are the other girls, where are the other players and how far ahead are they and what do I need to do in order to catch them? So there's always a lot of math going on as well. I I like to wear a stopwatch, but not, uh, um, I don't put the, um, GPS on. Mm Mm-hmm. So I just press start when the run starts and then I, you know, will calculate. So obviously the first mile is easy. It's whatever's on the, on the what. Then the next mile you have to figure out, okay, well, I went through in six minutes at, um, or whatever, six minutes a mile one and now I'm at uh, 12 minutes 10. So, okay, so that's a 6.10 mile. Um, but then as the marathon gets on, that math gets actually really hard. Because <laughs> one plus one sometimes doesn't really seem to calculate when right. you really fatigue. So, um, that definitely keeps my mind occupied as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're constantly just doing a systems, um, check and, you know, continuing to, to push. And obviously there's negative thoughts that can come in and, um, you know, trying to quiet those and focus back on the internal. So yeah, honestly, hopefully if you're having a great race, you don't really remember what you thought about that day. It was, you were just so in the moment. I do math too, but mine's usually like, oh my gosh, I have an hour till the 17 hour cutoff. Oh my gosh, I have 40 minutes. <laughs> I do the other type of math, the scary math. Um, it's like, oh my God, I'm not going to finish. But I, I found that math is really helpful as well yeah. because you just, it's so hard to do math on the go like that. And um, it really keeps the mind off. So that's funny that you do yeah. math too. Yeah, I mean, I always have, and I have, like, great sponsors. I work with Polar, and they're like, we've got a great GPS watch, and I'm like, great, but I just need a watch that's, that tells, like, that just <laughs> so I can press start and stop. You're like, rest. Polar, give me your 1974 version. What do you have? <laughs> that's all I need. I mean, yes, I, I use all the other stuff in training, but when I get to the race, I just want to keep it simple. I just want to have big numbers on there so that I can read them easily and don't have to, you know, <laughs> look too closely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So were you as impressed as I was with Rachel Joyce winning Boulder with her just having a baby? <laughs> I don't think I was that impressed because I think I expected that from Rachel. Did and, you? Yeah. I mean, she, I, I, obviously I, I get a little bit of insight because she lives here in Boulder and, and I, you know, I see her at the pool all the time and, um, and I know how good of an athlete she is. And so like, I, I picked her to win the race before the race, um, and because I, you know, looking at her, she look, she's in physically, I mean, she, I know she hasn't done as much of the like volume of training that she would have done before most Ironman that she's done in her career, but physically she looks as good, if not better than I've ever seen her look. Yeah. So, and that's like, I raced her in like six Konas mm-hmm. and you know, that's the peak of our season. And so, you know, looking at her and you know, she was, she's lean, she looks strong. 
Um, I know, you know, she obviously works with Julie and so she has um, a good coach that to guide her into, into that Ironman. So yeah. I, and yeah, I know I just, she's such a great athlete that I, I expected her to, to win. I love it. I love that attitude. Well, I expected her to. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not to say that what she's done isn't phenomenal because what she has done is phenomenal. She doesn't have full-time help. Her husband works full-time. Um, and so, you know, she juggles, like, taking Archie to daycare uh, for a few hours here and there and um, getting her training done, like, late in the afternoon sometimes when um, her husband gets home. She might be hopping on the wind trainer at 6 p.m. Um, and so there's definitely been a lot of work that went into that result. But um, – seeing her physical state in the weeks leading into that Ironman, I, I expected her to do well. It's got to make you feel good though, right? To see her do that. And you're like, yep, I'm going to do that too. Right. I mean, it's, it's got to be good to see people it's, doing what you want to do. Yeah. It's really nice to, I mean, and you know, I think pro pro women in triathlon or, you know, where we have a, um, I guess, uh, we kind of have a bond being all professional, but then there's like, the pros that have babies. And then there's like, you have a connection with any professional woman that, that has had a child and has come back to race. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm on, you know, you're on their team. You're like, you want to see them do well. You want to see them succeed. You want to see them come back and, and be strong or strong or as strong or stronger than they ever were before. So, um, yeah, it's been cool. And I think, uh, unfortunately, Rachel still has to do another Ironman to qualify for kind of because she had no points, um, from not racing last year, which is really a bummer, but, um, I think she'll be, she'll definitely hundred percent be on the, co- on the podium in Kona. So long as she gets that qualification sorted out, which I think she, I think she's doing Ironman Whistler in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I saw that on her social. So what is, I know that plans go out the window for a million reasons, but what is your tentative plan for post baby and, and 2018 and all the things coming up? Yeah. So I like, obviously you can't really hundred percent plan it out. As you said, it's a tentative plan, but in a perfect world, um, I'd start racing again in probably March or April, um, probably a low key, um, either half or Olympic distance race, preferably Olympic, but there's hardly any of those around anymore. Um, and then, you know, maybe a race or two more before doing an Ironman in perhaps like June, uh, sometime. Mm-hmm then Kona. Uh, unfortunately for me, I, I just have to finish an Ironman to get back to Kona because um, I still have, having won my last one in 14, the next five years you get um, an exemption where you just need to finish an Ironman to qualify. So I'm oh, not really. That's nice. I didn't know that little fun fact. Yeah. So um, any, yeah, any champion has the next five years where all they need to do is validate. I'm not really in the point system. Like I am written in there, but they take my name out when they, they count the 35 or whatever. Oh, that's Uh, cool. Yeah. So uh, that's really nice that I don't have the pressure of having to like, you know, you know, race around the world for points. I just need to go and race one Ironman event, finish it. Um, and then I get to go back to Kona. So, um, yeah, that's the plan, but we'll see. Well, very good. Let's talk a little bit about um, some of your sponsors and who are the folks that you really can point to and say that have helped you so get so far on your journey. Well, where do I even start? Um, (laughs) I've had so many great sponsors um, over my career, and um, some of my longest-standing ones are obviously felt bikes. I've been with them for a long time now. Um, And honestly, all my sponsors, Tier, the New Balance, uh, 
you know, felt, um, chocolate milk, um, Castelli, uh, pretty much. I mean, I go down the list, I have about 20 different sponsors. Um, obviously they're all different level sponsorships, but everyone was really supportive when, um, we told them that, you know, I was going to have to, I'd be taking a year out. Um, I wouldn't be racing this year and everybody was on board. And in fact, you know, some of my sponsors, you know, maybe paid me a little bit less this year, but they added an extra year to my contract. So, Mm-hmm. You know, my the back end of you know I have another two more years with them before we have to renegotiate. So um, yeah, I think it's it's been really great to have that support this year. Um, you never really know. Like we were a bit nervous um, going to our sponsors, and you know they're paying me to to perform. They're paying to me to be visible. They're paying me to sell products if you know possible. And so you know to go to them and say that I wouldn't be on the scene this year. Um, was a little bit nerve wracking, but it's been, yeah, the support's been incredible. Um, that is always just like the scariest moment. I mean, you assume that people are going to be okay, that you're, you know, advancing the human race, but it's, it's scary to tell people that. Totally. And I feel like maybe 10 years ago, I would, no one would have paid me even less. Yeah. Uh, But I feel like now we're kind of, we're at a time where, um, yeah, like maternity leave is acceptable and, you know, they should be celebrating, you know, you having a child and, um, you know, knowing that so many women athletes do come back better than before. I mean, I would certainly continue to sponsor, um, a professional woman that decided to have a child, but knowing that, you know, if, if they were committed to coming back afterwards, then yeah, absolutely. I think, um, generally they come back better and stronger. And so you don't want to miss that boat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And plus you're such a great social media I mean, all the pictures of you pregnant are adorable and people love to see that. Yeah, no, it doesn't um, hurt that you're cute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm blushing. Um, No, it's um, really, it's been nice actually to have the time to do more social media and be a little bit more active, but also more FaceTime. I've been able to do more appearances than I would have if I was racing. I mean, there's, you know, normally kind of can do appearances from sort of November through to February. And then after that, it's like, ah, I need a train. I can't really fly, you know, to the other side of the world, or I can't really fly to the other side of the country and take two days off training right now. Right. I'm preparing for another race. So yeah, it's been great to have that time to go and, you know, do more appearances and, and do more podcasts like this. Um, <laughs> it worked out well. I'm glad you're pregnant. Yes. I, I have time for this sort of stuff, which is, which is and the energy. Um, and when you're training, you just don't want to do any, anything. You want to train and you just want to sit on the couch and rest um, outside a session. So it's nice to have a little bit of extra energy to, to put into, you know, my sponsors since, you know, I'm not racing for them. So yeah, absolutely. So this podcast is called the same 24 hours, which I came up with the idea because Um, we all have the same 24 hours in our day, but it's what we do in those 24 hours that makes us happier or healthier or more successful. So I always ask my guest, what is one thing that you can point to that you do every day that you think helps make you happier, healthier, and more successful? Happier, healthier, and more successful. Um, I think for us, it's more about not taking ourselves so seriously um, mm-hmm. and understanding that, you know, we do this sport. I mean, obviously it's different in everybody's whatever field they're in, 
we do the sport because we love doing it. And when it stops being fun, then we'll stop doing it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, mostly just, you know, trying to enjoy it. And, um, my mom, when I was younger, was always on the go and she would say to me, um, you, you need to stop and smell the roses. And basically by saying that she was saying, you need to stop and soak up, like be appreciative, be grateful for, for, you know, what you're seeing and what you're doing. Like, don't just hundred percent focus on your end game all the time. And so we try to take time. Well, I certainly try to take time every day to appreciate what I've, what I have and what I'm able to do. And, um, in my life and in my everyday just being, um, I think that that certainly helps me, you know, well, continue awesome. to do the things I do. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I am looking forward to seeing pictures of the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I know we can't wait. We could have like a redhead or like a, um, you know, brunette or a little blondie. We, oh. cause so we just, yeah, there's any of those things can happen with our combination, Timothy and I. So <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, best of luck with, with the coming of the baby and all the things you've got planned for after the baby. And thank you for taking time to chat. And if you, if you can ever uh, think of when you and Tim might want to have the debate about how you really met, we can do that on a podcast later. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. You just had my side of the story, but I'll let him (laughs) next time. All right, Rennie. Well, take care and thank you again. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Wearing a road ID is a simple and easy way for the entire family to maintain peace of mind while being on the go. So what does this mean? Well, it's wearable identification. It's awesome colors, awesome bands, awesome little um, icons that can brag about your race distances, but it's also identification for your emergency contact and medical history or information like I'm allergic to penicillin and I don't want to wear the ugly medical tag. And so the road ID that I wear not only has emergency contact information, but it also has my medical information. And the mission of road ID has been just that, to help save lives and provide this peace of mind through wearable identification. To learn more about road ID, visit roadid.com and create your customizable band that best suits you and your entire family's needs. Now they have kiddo sizes for the wee ones and colors that can easily attach to other devices. So check it out, roadid.com. Get 20% off your purchase from roadid.com at checkout by entering the code SWIMBIKEMOM. That's SWIMBIKEMOM with no spaces or caps. Coupon valid through July 27th, 2017 at midnight.